everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Great Muppet Caper two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today, we have a very special guest star indeed. Tell the listeners who you are, special guest. I'm Jordan Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why my name is funny, but that's who I am. <laughs> Some names are just funny, man. We've never done this before. I've never recorded this in the same room with someone who wasn't my wife before. Okay. Jordan's one of my best friends from high school. High school. And he, from high school. Wow, that's, that's right. Great. From ele- This is the man who introduced me to Weird Al Yankovic, in fact. <laughs> um, that's really important. It's, it's actually not, not in person, just his music. No, you came over to my house with a copy of Off the Deep End. That sounds accurate. And we listened to it on a tape player in my backyard. That was my first Weird Al album. All right. It's like we're all related. We it's are. like we're all in our mid to late 30s. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there you go. I don't all know right. how old you are, Ryan. I'm just assuming. <laughs> <laughs> He's in his mid to late 30s. Yes, all right. Then. So uh, today we are talking about minutes 27 and 28 of The Great Muppet Keeper. As these minutes open, we see Gonzo flinging himself in front of a taxi cab. It turns out that the taxi cab is driven by Beauregard, who takes them to the lobby of the Happiness Hotel. So, Jordan, I want to start with you because you've actually never seen The Great Muppet Caper before. That's true. And that was, a, <laughs> that was a big part of why we invited you on. I, I wanted to ha- see someone who's never seen the movie, how a scene works out of context. So I'm going to ask you, like, up front, what did you think about this? I thought it was pretty good. And I think, you know, I, I should clarify, yeah, I've never seen this movie, but I do at least have some affinity for the Muppets. I've seen other Muppets things. So it's not right. like it's totally foreign to me. You've but I think, seen several you know, of watching... the other movies. You just haven't seen this one. Right, exactly. Right, yes. Okay. Uh, so seeing two minutes of it out, out of context, sure, it's kind of weird, but it's also kind of the nature of Muppet stuff that jokes are happening constantly. And most of the time, they're not referring to anything that happened more than 10 <laughs> seconds. Right. It's so, not It's not a very continuity-heavy Especially yeah. this one, I would say. Right. So, I, I mean, to me, it, it held up as a two-minute clip. Sure. Like, I got a little mini story. Sure, yeah. It was just kind of like you were watching a Muppet video on YouTube or something. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, so, Gonzo. So the first thing we see here is Gonzo throw. Actually, Gonzo is in midair, I think, at the start of this clip. Yes, last week and we left him... Right in the middle of, yeah, like flying through the air. Right. So here we see him throw himself in front of a taxi cab. And what I love is that Kermit and Fozzie both seem genuinely horrified when he lands. Like, Well, and this- so does the doorman of the building behind them. He recoils at the same time, which I love. All three of them. Yeah. The, the classic gang, Kermit, Fozzie, and the doorman. The doorman. So did the doorman throw him? I got the impression no, from... No, Gonzo threw himself. He did? Okay. Yeah, like, like th- so, <laughs> This so- is proof that I don't know what I'm talking about because somehow... Body language told me that the doorman had thrown him. Sure. I thought for some reason. I guess sure. not. No, um, they needed a taxi and one wouldn't stop. So Gonzo just <laughs> just like jumped into traffic. All right. Fair enough. Um, and then actually when he when he gets, you know, Kermit says um, that seems effective or whatever it is. And Gonzo says, yeah, it's great when it works. Uh-huh. Implying that his goal was actually to be hit by a car. <laughs> and right. Or, or at the very least that sometimes it doesn't work that way and he does get run over. That's how I took it. Yeah. yeah. Like, see, I always thought he was disappointed. That, like, yeah, it was fine, but it's great when it works. And you know, I get I, hit by a car. So I, I took it the same way Ryan did, but I thought the tone was weird because. Well, yeah, Kermit's goal was 
Kermit's goal was to get a taxi to stop, and Gonzo has done that. His method works. Yeah. Right, right. But it didn't work for Gonzo as well. Right, he would probably right. prefer getting run over. I didn't see it that way at first, but now that you say that, I think that makes more sense with the way he says that line. Sure. All right. Well, it looks like I win this round. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and um, so the, the cab stops, and the driver welcomes them into the car. The driver is the, our old pal Beauregard. Well, I want to say the cab really does, like, it, it stops so suddenly right in front of Gonzo. And I, I kind of, uh, what do you call it, shuttled or scrubbed back and forth a couple times. This must be a really talented stunt driver, I guess, or they must have done it several times to get this right, because just a few inches more, and that cab actually would have run over Gonzo. Right. Unless it's something well, where they're shooting it in reverse, but then we actually see Gonzo flying into the like flying through the air. So I don't think they could have done it in reverse. <laughs> they could do that yeah. too, but it... okay. So how does this car work? Because I know you guys in the when you're going through the Muppet movie, you talked a lot about how the car was being driven, and I think in the close-up scenes, it's the same thing here. Okay, because we definitely see it's just like such a tiny car. How right, do we fit right. people in this? It but makes more sense yeah. in, in the big studio, yeah, right. right? Or in the in the big station wagon, right? Even more. Um, but when we, I, I swear we see real city passing behind them as they drive, even in the close-ups. Like it, sure. it doesn't look rear projected. It doesn't look yeah. green screened or anything. To me, I don't. Well, do you and disagree? that can be done by towing the car behind another car with the camera yeah, pointing through the windshield. Yeah. But you're right; it doesn't yeah, but look I like, gonna, like rear projection. Well, but I was going to say in the wide shots where the car is, as we're going to see, you know, they're they're kind of speeding through town and doing sharp turns and all that. We kind of see Beauregard in some of those shots, you know, in the driver's seat. But I kind of wonder if that just like isn't a stunt driver wearing a border guard mask. I, yeah. Do we ever really get a? We, I don't think we ever get a clear look at him like we did of Fozzie in the Muppet movie, yeah, right. where you can I tell that it's a puppet behind the wheel. Right. Like like it. You can see like border guard's hat and hair, kind of. Yeah. So I kind of wonder if it isn't just like this is a border guard. This is like if, <laughs> if we saw it from the other side, it would just be like a guy sitting there with border guard's head. And on. it kind of helps, I think, that Beauregard's fur is dark, so you can't really. Like it's easy to sort of hide him in the shadow uh, inside the car, right? So, so this is all conjecture. I don't think either of us know. No, we don't really know for sure. But I will say, this is we've talked a couple of times about how this movie takes everything further than the Muppet movie. Um, and a good example of that I think is Fozzie was driving out in the country, right? Like Fozzie was a bear alone with no other cars around on the open highway. On the open highway, and now they're like driving through the city streets, doing like crazy turns on crowded streets. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Driving like up so on the sidewalk. Yeah, driving the sidewalk. It's so much more intense than than in the Muppet movie. So that's I think that I cannot imagine it's somebody in the hood, like crouched under the hood of the car. Oh right, driving. that would be far more dangerous and and yeah, difficult. It, it seems nearly, and like you say, like you said, Jordan, it's a smaller car. Yeah, too. So I would be amazed. If but they did I that. think it makes sense that. You know, they could do it a totally different way for the wide shots where it, you wouldn't be able to see clearly who's in the driver's seat. Right. Because it, it makes sense. It, doesn't, like, it needs, just needs to look eno- enough like a Beauregard. Um, There's a lot going on. Not, you guys might be studying who's in the driver's seat. Uh, me, as a casual it, observer, is going to say, hey, look at that car doing a crazy thing. Right. You know? Right. Right. And this car, um, by the way, according to the Internet Movie Cars database, classic. is a 1959 Austin A35. Which uh, it's a, uh, from 1959. Yeah, I kind of like that. You can't 
tell, I mean, they did something similar in the Muppet movie where they used different cars from different eras. So you can't quite tell if this is supposed to be taking place in contemporary times or if it's a little bit in the past or it all kind of lends to that sense of that time, uh, timelessness. Yeah. Right. Well, and I suppose that's also only 22 years old at At this point. Yeah, that's true. When they shot this, it was summer of 1980, so it's 21. So it'd be like right. the car from 1998. Like my old Buick Century. Just like your old Buick Century. Yep. Exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> um, but so we should talk about Beauregard, because this is Beauregard's film debut. Well, we actually mentioned this in the Muppet movie. Uh, according to Muppet Wiki, he is one of the puppets in the big, huge group finale of Rainbow Connection which well, was sure. like right well, before he made his debut on the Muppet show. But that, you know, that maybe doesn't really count because he's not actually doing anything other than singing along with yeah. a thousand other Muppets. He was, he was just, he was, he made very well have just been a puppet that had been built at yeah, that time. At that time. You know? I think so. Um, but so here we get to really see him. He, who is he? Who's Beauregard? He's the janitor. Who on is the Muppet Beauregard? Show. Who is Beauregard? He's the janitor on the Muppet show starting in season three. That answered a big question for me. I knew I knew him, but he I didn't. Looked, I he looked place. vaguely yeah, familiar. Right, sure. exactly. Um, he's the gen- so what happened is Dave Goals, who plays him, also plays Gonzo um, and Bunsen Honeydew. Honeydew is Zoot, uh, you know, whatever. In a special called Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, he played Emmett's best friend Wendell Porcupine, who is a very similar, like, lovable dimwit kind of character. Yeah, I wrote down dimwitted and good natured. Right. Yeah. And Dave Goals has talked about how he had such a good time playing that character in that special that the writing staff on The Muppet Show created Beauregard so that he could keep doing it, basically. It was just like a character type that he enjoyed. He does the exact same voice. They, they sound identical. So um, it's like a character that Dave Goals willed into being just by saying, like, hey, I liked, I liked this other guy. Let's keep <laughs> Pretty doing much. It. So yeah, here he is in his, in his feature debut, his, real, his first I – mean, he did extra work before fine whatever <laughs> this is but, uh, yeah his real well i'm not sure it counts as being him right like if there's no character it's just a puppet it's just a puppet yeah, yeah. that doesn't count that's not this beauregard is, this is beauregard he was barely oh. beauregard before now he's truly right. beauregard <laughs> he's at his peak so i'll uh, so i'll ask you jordan what do you think about Bo in this he's a lot of fun he's great right yeah yeah i like him um i think they did some interesting things with the way that they presented him not making any sense uh, I did a really good job. So the one, I mean, I maybe I'm jumping a few seconds ahead of here, fine. but um, you know, when they, he explained that he's lived in London all his life and they point out that he doesn't have an accent, um, then he uh, says that he's lucky to have a driver's license, <laughs> yeah, driver's which has license. nothing to do with anything, right. but it's great because you ask the question the audience has and then just completely ignore it. And I think that's a, just, uh, you know, it's a cool Muppet thing that happens with the Muppets, but it's right. also, uh, a, you know, it seems like a good use of Beauregard to just say a bunch of dumb stuff that doesn't have to tie into anything. Right. You but it's move funny. on immediately, and that's what's fun about it. Well, yeah. and for him, yeah. that answer makes complete sense and, and right. answers the questions. So it's that, that's the kind of fun stuff you can get away with with a character like this. Right. Well, and similarly, he lives at the Happiness Hotel. He just doesn't know how to get there. He doesn't know how to get there. <laughs> which is so, which, and then like, although, so tell me if I'm being a little too nitpicky. Uh, he doesn't know how to get there, but he does apparently know how to get to specific rooms because he says, what room are you in? Well, well I guess once he once, gets once to the hotel, he can find his way around the inside. 
It doesn't matter what, what well, room it is. No, he can he, only go as far as you the know, lobby. Well, that's true. He does. He yeah. says I can only take he can't go to the second no, floor. No, but because sure. on the second floor. Right, but he also, let's say it was some room on the first floor. He can only go as far as the lobby. <laughs> that might be. See, I don't know because <laughs> I think he can only go as far as the lobby because they're on the second floor. I don't know anything about this hotel. I don't know where the rooms are relative to the lobby. Maybe he had to drive <laughs> through several of the rooms to get to the lobby. I don't know. That's I, true. I think Beauregard is smart enough to know that he can't, drive his car up onto the second floor of the hotel but who knows yeah but so what he does do is he takes them as far as the lobby and they arrive at the happiness hotel and which we had previously seen is was a real hotel like a real the, exterior the exterior was a real exterior a real building in london it. yeah and now here it's clearly not because they drive into it <laughs> like so they must have built just like a false front. I guess just for the shot, but it's very convincing. It looks the same. Yeah. So it's really impressive that Unless they Unless they really did like clear out that building and just drive straight through the door. I can't imagine because the building's still there. Yeah. Like, but all they do it. is smash the door and they don't, they don't crash into the wall or. I guess so, but there must be something real behind it. They're not yeah. going to drive into the yeah. Either way, it's it's a very it's a very cool effect. Yeah. Well, and I love Gonzo like cackling with glee. He's oh, like he's having the greatest time. They pull into the door. Yeah, which he starts doing. You know, like a little bit of the crazy driving earlier. He you start seeing him really enjoying it, which makes sense. But because I have watched only two minutes of this movie <laughs> and I watched it <laughs> ten times, you start picking out you know dumb things, which is like one of them is. He's completely silent for the first half of this ridiculous ride. He doesn't. He's completely disinterested. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's in character, you know, having a great time. Sure. I, I'm disappointed. They should have had him laughing and having fun the whole time. The whole mm. movie's garbage. Well, throw, throw it in the dumpster. Here's, oh, here's, here's what it is, though, I think. <laughs> um, Dave Goals plays Gonzo. And oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I think, like, when Bonagard's <laughs> having a lot of dialogue, yeah, you can't be doing a bunch of Gonzoing. Dave's, Dave's not not Gonzo. <laughs> You know, so some some other puppeteer doing Gonzo. So all right, fair enough. Was. All right, yeah, I mean they you they, they could dub more dialogue over later, but I guess they figured it wasn't that important. Well, it definitely wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know something? I just noticed for the first time ever this very second, looking at the clip, when the car drives through the door, you can see Beaker looking out the window on the left. He's in the car. No, no, in the, the window of the, the hotel. Car. He's watching the car drive toward the hotel. Oh, fun! Yeah, I never noticed. Yeah. I feel like we said a lot of important stuff about driving around London before we got to the hotel, though. Tell me. Tell okay. me what you're thinking. Well, so one of the important setups, right, is that uh, when he's when Beauregard's trying to figure out how to get there to a place where he lives but doesn't know how to get to, mm-hmm. um, they set up the joke of making a U-turn or saying to go straight makes him do a U-turn, <laughs> right. right? So Kermit tells him just to go straight, does a U-turn because he's Beauregard, and then strangely... After that, Kermit still wants him to go straight, even though he's trying to <laughs> right. the position. He was. And and he says to go straight. He makes another U-turn. So we kind of, you know, it's it's set up for what comes later. I obviously. think it's making a U-turn. Um, yeah, yeah. And then also, uh, I think the the music that's playing in the in the cab is a lot of fun. Yeah. As far as I know, it might be the Steve Martin cameo in this Muppet movie. It's not really. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's the type of music where if you were driving to Indianapolis with somebody that you didn't want to fall in love with, you'd want to listen to that kind of band of music. <laughs> well, it's actually a sort yeah. of instrumental variation of the Happiness Hotel song that we heard earlier. 
but it's just it's primarily a banjo yeah. solo which again i love that it's sort of this bluegrass sounding music for this <laughs> movie that takes place in london right yeah it's it gives it a little bit of that american feel yeah <laughs> and it really <laughs> en- enhances this whole scene <laughs> It's like, I know this is too early a movie, but it sounds like a bluegrass MIDI file. It does. <laughs> it kind of does. That's true. Cold it sounds like a, like a, a fake yeah. banjo song that would play when you went to a website in the 90s. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like the uh, music behind the hamster dance. <laughs> <laughs> I like it though. Uh, it's I, real fun. It is. It's good. Um, so anyways, they crash into the hotel and... What I love about this is I feel like in any other movie, especially at this time, if like a car goes into a building, crashes into a building, it would be this big, crazy moment. It would be the whole, it would be all these crash scenes in Blues Brothers or the train going into the station at the end of Silver Streak. Or it's always like this huge deal and people are running. In this one, they crash into the hotel and like Janice looks up, sighs, and <laughs> goes back to looking down. Pops just kind of chuckles and says, you can never find a cab when you need one. That is one of my favorite jokes in this movie. Sure. Well, there, it's are, like, there are many great jokes in this movie, but I just love that, like you're saying, that his delivery is so dry. I love it. Well, and I just love how understated it. Like, yeah, exactly. You, you can get away with it with puppets. Like, it's crazy because they're already puppets. But like, if this was a movie with humans, you couldn't do that. You couldn't have nobody reacting to to a big crash like that. Yeah, it, it would, would seem it, strange. It would and instead, it's just kind of like, oh, this happens every day for them. Or <laughs> guys dropping people off. Who cares? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, Kermit and not even seem shaken. Like, Kermit hops out and says thanks and, like, gives him directions out. Like, kind of. Right. <laughs> right. They I just know. accept it. Yeah. It's just, it's just life. That's just what you do when you drop someone off at a hotel. <laughs> so that uh, just about brings us down to the end. We, we do end with Beauregard about to accelerate. Again, Beauregard heading forward uh, after Kermit tells him to make a U-turn. Well, a, a U-turn? I don't know how – I'm not saying it right. You're saying it way, like Kermit, though. No, well, you're right. Yeah, he says it I, – I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone uh, emphasize the, the turn in the phrase U-turn yeah. like Kermit does. Do you think Jim Henson talks like that or talks like that? Probably. I guess. Yeah, he, he had a very idiosyncratic – Okay. Like, have you ever heard the way Jim Henson, Jim Henson says curtain? <laughs> no, that's a, that's a very specific word to know what somebody says. <laughs> okay, maybe. But it's curtain. And he says it. Ernie says it. Kermit, Rolf, open the curtain. Huh. Yeah. I've never heard anyone else say it like I, that. The one I always notice is restaurant, which he says restaurant. Restaurant, yeah. That's right. And they, oh, they yeah, that okay, too. that one. That Guy one Smiley even says restaurant, which you restaurant. think Guy Smiley would really yeah. enunciate it, but he doesn't. Right. Okay, but also a U-turn would be a terrible way to get out of a hotel that you've just driven straight into. You could go in reverse and back straight up the way you came, even if the you know we had this language confusion where U-turn and straightforward are reversed. <laughs> Forget that. A U-turn would be an awful way to right. get out of the but, situation. But did. you can probably imagine what happens next. I I would guess he goes straightforward, but I don't know. That's in the next. Do you minutes. want me to spoil? Uh, I don't know. I'm should we leave it a cliffhanger? You should. I'm, yeah, I got the movie. If you want to borrow it. I do. I'll watch it. It seems like a good movie. <laughs> it is. Awesome. <laughs> but yes, please, spoil it for me. He comes back through. He goes. He turns around and comes back through. He goes into the kitchen. Okay. And then the Swedish chef comes through with the steering wheel in a, in a pot of spaghetti. Uh, <laughs> it's great. 
Okay, I like it. So hopefully, spoilers hopefully for our nobody, listeners. Though we always say, like, hopefully nobody's listening who hasn't seen the movie. <laughs> it's it's probably, been me the whole time. You're probably listen to these. You've seen this the, the one and only though, time. Right? And I don't. Are we? I might be breaking the fourth wall here about when we're recording this, but there have been two episodes of the of your podcast about this movie that have been released right that i've listened to so i know a lot about the credits of this movie <laughs> at this point you know all about Great. Tom Patrick, <laughs> yeah and uh learned a lot about language and storytelling from your second week guest danny horn tough yeah. pigs founder yeah Post structuralist literary theory yeah yeah that, that was, was a lot of fun that was a good one yeah go back and listen to that one again and yeah. i'm gonna all right um so that's that's all I have for this. Do you have any other notes? I'll start with you, Jordan. Uh, no. <laughs> all right, Ryan. Did you have anything else? I have three things of varying um, uh, length or or prominence. Um, did Are you notice cool? that his uh, the license plate on Bo's taxi is Bo six seven six? No, I didn't. I don't. I assume that that was intentional because his nickname is Bo, Bo. So that was funny. I don't know why six seven six, but. Just a fun little detail. That's his measurements. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Um, and I was just going to ask, did either of you ever play the PlayStation game Muppet Race Mania? I never did. I saw um, I saw videos about it. Yeah. I did not. So I saw Bo, aren't like, yeah, aren't like a bunch of the characters in it like Digit and stuff? Yeah, I, I don't remember if Digit's in that one. Maybe. there There were a bunch of characters that you would not expect to see. And that you like, yeah. I, anyway, I think, I've seen YouTube videos of yeah. like, Steve Whitmire playing the newsman or whatever. Anyways, um, so what, but yeah, Beauregard is one of the like the the boss races in the the tournament mode or one player mode that you have to you have to beat Beauregard in a race to advance in the game. So he and he's driving his little yellow taxi from this movie, and uh, his little catchphrase that he says at the beginning of the race is, "I'm afraid I'm not a very good driver." Did so, so that doesn't make him very intimidating. Very like, accurate. Yeah, that's he, well, that's true. He's that's one of the bosses. The race, man. He's ruthless, as we see in this movie. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't mess around. He's not. He's like cutting people off. Doesn't care who he murders. Mm-mm. But you have to assume that he's caused a few accidents in his day. Yep. Uh, and the other thing, I have one uh, note from the July twenty second, nineteen eighty draft of the screenplay. Uh, you can see as they as they crash through the lobby, they pass by Ralph, who's playing the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, in the draft, Ralph is playing Rainbow Connection. And, oh, that would have been... Yeah, and as they get out of the cab, Kermit says, Ralph, wrong movie. And he says, oh yeah, sorry. I still think it should have won the Oscar. That's pretty good. That's so pretty that's good. A cute, that's a cute joke. Kind of, And then Ralph should... And then Kermit should tell him to stop, and Ralph switches to playing It Goes Like It Goes. <laughs> no, that would have been... Funny to <laughs> best like so, that would have been funny to nobody now, but possibly a few people back then. Right. So in the movie as it is, I don't remember him playing long enough that we would notice what he's playing. Yeah, I think it's still just kind of the same. The same score is happening. Okay, yeah, I don't think we really hear any of it. Just see he's just playing some piano banjo. Yeah, he's playing piano. He has a he has his Casio keyboard and such a banjo. <laughs> Excellent. Pretty good. Classic role. I assume. But yep, that's all. All right. Great. So uh, that just about brings us down to the end. But before we go, uh, Jordan, so you've never seen this movie, but like what what is your favorite Muppet stuff? Like what's your what's your history with the Muppets? Um, so you know, from 
childhood, I have just kind of a general fondness. I, I saw the Muppet movie. I've seen at least parts of Muppets Take Manhattan. Um, for whatever reason, none of this movie. But <laughs> right. uh, but I don't, you know, have strong memories of, of any of this stuff from my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, you know, kind of like the Muppets. Um, and then, of course, being friends with you for years, sure. I was bound to be talking about Muppets from time to time. Um, but more recently, um, I, I have two daughters uh, who are 13 and 8 now. Um, so when the uh, the newer set of Muppet movies came out, the most recent two, um, my kids were about the right age to, to be into that sort of thing. And that was, you know, kind of a renewed interest for me. So then having enjoyed those movies more than you guys do, uh, <laughs> I uh, sought out more. You yeah, know, we so. both, we I will say, I'll, in, in our defense, we both really love Muppets Most Wanted, Ryan and I. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love Muppets Most Wanted. I like the Muppets. Uh, do that much but, for me. But that's, that's what I found to be true is that Muppets Most Wanted works better for like hardcore Muppet fans. Okay. And 2011 works better for casual Muppet fans. Like, All right. Obviously, that's not one to one, like whatever. Sure. Yeah. There are exceptions. But in general, that seems to be the case. All right. Well, and hey, my uh, among hardcore Muppets people, my opinions are not going to be valid at all. Because, you know, so as a result of that, I sought out more. And, you know, this is, you know, maybe 2012, 13, somewhere in there. I'm taking what I can get from Netflix. And, you know, that includes Muppets from Space. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's not a good movie, but I enjoy it. Uh, no, you know? I, I'm on record as being a Muppets from Space yeah. fan. Yeah, so. and, I, and I, I think uh, one of the... One of the scenes that I, if I remember right, that the hardcores hate is um, like the breakfast scene, right? Where they're all, everybody's no, in the house know. together. Every, that's like one of the highlights. Really? I thought everybody I thought, likes that because they're just hanging, there's well, hanging the out. Well, the house that. number is, and then, yeah, the, the couple of scenes or the, a few minutes after Brick House is all pretty solid. Okay, cool. See, I thought I was under the impression yeah. that it would, because it was introducing this entirely new dy- that dynamic where, like, that's not what, how the Muppets live. Sure, that's not yeah. who they are. And, and then, like, there are some people who are like, mm, well. They don't but, all live in a house together right, where Kermit's their dad. But for the most part, like, this movie has nothing to do with the Muppet movie. You right. know, like, yeah, Kermit, yeah. I don't know if you know. You probably don't. They didn't say it. Kermit and Fozzie play identical twins in this. <laughs> I, I, I gotta watch this movie. Sorry, <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> if that doesn't grab you, I don't know what will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like that's that's always been the thing. Is you know, yeah. Mobus Take Manhattan, they went to college together. Is it did did Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito steal that idea from <laughs> 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 yeah. hmm, it was, was just a few years later. Ivan Reitman. Jim Henson should have sued Ivan Reitman. Um yeah, it was just a few years later. Um no, but you so I gotta say that you also did you and your daughter Ryan, who was four or five. You have an adorable video of you singing "Life's a Happy Song." Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Which was the greatest. I love well, that. Aw. Good. Yeah, we made it through the first forty-five seconds of that song. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That's pretty good for what? How old did you say? I don't. She had to be a little older than that. She was. Yeah. Um, two thousand eleven, so she would have been like two when it came out. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, then. Born, you're making me do dad man. No, Ryan, Ryan was I'm born in two thousand six. Yeah. So yeah. She would have been like five when it came out. Yeah. Yes. And well. And that video, Reese is there playing the tambourine. Reese is my eight-year-old. Yeah. Um, so, she was so she must have been 18 months, two years old, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so Ryan was six, seven, somewhere in there. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Anyway. Anyways, when I think of you and Robert stuff, oh, yeah. that's what I think of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, I also 
enjoy Flight of the Concord. So I was going to love the music in that yeah, movie. Right. Sure. Yeah, right. Um, what a great – and James Bobin. I don't yeah, know the directing that. in that movie. James Bobin directed both of those. It's 2011 and – was always wanted. Okay. He directed 12 episodes of Flight of the Conqueror. Oh, huh. yeah. All right. Yeah. So, right. so it was like a whole thing. That's why Kristen Schaal is in it. Okay. You know? Yeah. That's why Jermaine's in Most Most Wanted. Sure. I'm sure. You know? Yeah, right. like, yeah. Yeah. So if they make a third one, Eugene Merman's got to be in anyway. <laughs> Would you so, believe I was just doing... about to say that? You're just about to say that about Eugene Merman? Not in those exact you... words, but I was like, man, next time they got to find a role for Eugene Merman. Merman and and like poor Murray that none of us are saying him. I don't remember uh, Murray's real name right now. Well, and um, then you make the transition from Restart the Conquered. Now that you've got, you got you Eugene Merman, then you bring yeah. in H. John Benjamin. But right. you already got Kristen Shaw. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so you start so, out with Kristen yeah. Shaw, and you know you you're slowly transitioning from Flight <laughs> of the Conquered's cast references to <laughs> Bob Burgers. Burgers. And who knows what comes next? Right. Know? Yeah, because are going to be in something else. In the, the future is wide open, mm-hmm. and that, I think that's a good place to stop <laughs> for today. Um, listeners, please check out toughpigs.com on the, the website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're all over the place. You can follow me on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. You can follow Ryan at me, Ryan Rowe. Jordan, where, if anywhere, can the listeners find you on the line? Nowhere. All right, you're uh, you're a man of mystery. You exist only in real life. Uh, <laughs> it's like a it's like a reverse Johnny Mnemonic. I'm off the, the grid. <laughs> and um. So if you're so inclined, give us a positive review on iTunes. And if you're so inclined, watch Flight of the Concords if you haven't, because it's great. <laughs> and tell all of your friends to listen to Moving Right Along. And join us again next week for another episode. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.